This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claygid and Cooper Linton, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. This show is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care. I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us on this Saturday evening. We've got the lovely Nicole Claggett here. Nicole with Transitions Guiding Lights, how are you? I'm absolutely fabulous, but I'm missing my counterpart. That's that's okay. He, uh, he's Coop, been sir not appearing in this film quite a few times lately. He has. Um, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to start docking his pay. I think um, so. We've we've reprimand, reprimanded him twice already, but um, apparently he has other engagements that he has to attend. But, uh, um, yes. Yeah, I, I think we need to do some research and some <laughs> investigations into that. I think so. Yeah, well, Nicole, we've got uh, an interesting topic lined up, and uh, we were discussing this before the show, and I didn't know you had a background in this, but we're going to be talking about adult daycare. We are. You know, I started off um, my career working with older adults and, as a social worker in a skilled nursing facility, but then quickly trans- transitioned into adult daycare services, and truly, um, I believe that that is one of the very best kept secrets in long-term care. It makes all the difference in the world for older adults and their family members. Truly, I believe in helping that person maintain their independence in their home for a longer amount of time. So we have brought two amazing folks with us today that represent adult day services in uh, some of our neighboring counties, uh, one here in Wake County and one in Orange County. And so we have um, the executive director of Evergreen Adult Day Services, Linda Kim, here with us. And we also have Paul Cleaver, the executive director of the Charles House Association. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start off, Paul, with um, a little bit of the history of adult daycare services and, and sort of the work that Charles House has done in the community. Talk to us a little bit about your model and what folks might be able to expect if they were to receive adult day services. Right. The um well, adult day services go back, what, Nicole, probably till the 80s when we started yeah, to see the I emergence so. of adult day services. Uh, uh, very much uh, consistent with the development of the Alzheimer's Association. Yes. That as we started to really bring out into the open and bring into our awareness the the work that families were doing caring for aging family members, mm-hmm. most uh with uh, dementia, mm-hmm. but not exclusively with dementia. Families are also dealing with Parkinson's and movement disorders mm-hmm. and and um, other kinds of, of challenges. Uh, so, and a lot of them took place right in basements of churches, from what I that's recollect. Right. They started yeah. out. They started out in churches. Mm-hmm. They started out in community halls, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, many of them were. Um, uh, several days a week and respite mm-hmm. programs and and so now uh in north carolina we have uh, adult day services uh supervised regulated by the division of aging and adult services gotta get the state involved don't that's we right. <laughs> that's right so they are the uh they are the uh the state representative of of supervising and providing uh certification and rules and so forth so mm-hmm. and uh so that has been kind of the lead up to development of what is now eighty around eighty five certified programs in the state. In this state, wow! In this state, but that means that there are a lot of counties that don't have programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there are a lot of counties where the services of adult day 
um, are not available. But we're fortunate in the Triangle to have some really fine programs. Um, Charles House started out in 1990. You've been around a long time, yeah. so you're really on the forefront yeah, of this. We've been there a while. And uh, we started out from a caregiving family that had the impetus um, in Chapel Hill to to provide a dignified, uh, very engaged uh, setting for a family member not mm-hmm. finding it. They set out to create it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so Charles House is actually named after Charles Jones, who mm-hmm. was the first participant, and it was his family that that made it happen. And I know that Charles House to this day is really held nationwide as a standard for, you know, just amazing care provided and really being forward thinking in a lot of ways. And I think in a little bit, we'll get into some of the other programs that you are working on and developing that really make a difference in our community. And I think folks look to model what you do. So congratulations on all that work. And then I know uh, you, Linda, you know, you started the Evergreen Adult Day Services because... Because uh, we saw that uh, day services seemed to uh, meet the needs of a lot of families that did not need 24 by 7 care for their loved one, but they couldn't uh, manage all by themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in a group setting, we're able to leverage the cost of the the nursing Mm -hmm. as well as the staff, but also have a social uh, component to the care. Um, people get together, they make friendships, they can have conversations, they can share in the activities that we're doing together, try to make their day um, engaged, fulfilling, um, and um, a, a place where they can use their social um, needs and, and meet their spiritual needs as well. So um, we thought the day service at, in a group setting would uh, be very helpful for those families that, you know, wanted to keep their loved one at, at home for longer and not have to find a, a permanent placement. And, you know, let's face it, the older adult population is just literally booming. Mm -hmm. And we are going to, as a society, have to come up with some alternative ways to take care of folks at home longer. There are just not enough places to put people. And frankly, not everybody wants to be put in a place. Um, And not everybody has the financial resources to do so. So one of the amazing things about adult day services is that it is a service that you can provide, as, as you were saying, Linda, you know, folks sometimes just need a little helping hand to be able to be able to be supported longer at home. And so if one of you would mind just talking a little bit about the types of services you might be able might see if you walked into adult day services. I know some are more socially driven and other medically. Mm-hmm. Right. And and actually that's a division in this in the certification process. So there in uh, in North Carolina uh, centers are uh, certified under adult day services mm-hmm. or adult day health. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the, every center is very much related to its community. Mm-hmm. Um, and its community helps define what the flavor, what the services that are needed in that center are. Um, every, every program is going to have a robust uh, program of activities. Okay. Uh, so that uh, from... Uh, we use a model we call the uh, continuous therapeutic social engagement. Mm-hmm. and That's uh, a mouthful. Yeah, it is a mouthful, <laughs> and it's a day full. Uh, I have sometimes referred to it as camp for old people uh, because uh, from the moment they arrive to the moment they leave, they are continuously uh, invited to be engaged in activities that, <clears throat> that support 
that support their well-being, their executive functioning, um, that that hit on uh, gross motor skills and fine motor skills and uh, and reminiscence, conversation, social engagement, um, all of which that uh, really provides for a an existence and a quality of life for people who are becoming more isolated in the outside world Mm -hmm. and yet in the day service programs uh, can provide, can find real uh, connection. You know, one of the things that I think family members sometimes need to get past is, you know, bringing their loved one to a place Mm -hmm. where people look different and may look a little bit more sick than their loved one. But if they think about where their loved one is cognitively sometimes, that person is going to probably just fit fit in just fine there in that setting. And I think a lot of times that social engagement really helps that person maintain. And and sometimes it even seems like they improve because Mm -hmm. they're in these types Mm -hmm. of settings. I saw it over and over again when I ran adult daycare. People came in one way and then they literally, by the end of a day, cognitively seemed much better. And the family just couldn't believe the difference that a little social engagement actually even made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and, uh, my uh, very, very um, wonderful CNA, uh, Kim Collins, wanted me to make sure everyone knew that there is um, a free trial day offered, and I believe this is the standard uh, for all the day services, that there be a free trial day offered for each family member so that they can, without um, any cost to them, try it out, and they will be amazed at how things went better than expected. And I don't know how many people uh, try their first day and say this was just great, great, great. But a lot of people do say, you know, it wasn't so bad. And within a couple of weeks, they've made friendships. So Yeah, that's a great opportunity that uh, hopefully more people will take advantage of. We'll continue our conversation on adult daycare in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. And you can always find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights and Cooper Linton from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Cooper Linton is uh, uh, out on assignment this evening, we'll, we'll say that. I think he's fly fishing. I, I think he might be. <laughs> he might be out hunting something. Who knows? Uh, but we've got two great guests here in the studio. We've got Paul Cleaver. He's the executive director of Charles House. And we've got Linda Kim, who's also an executive director with Evergreen adult day services and nicole we're we're talking all about adult daycare and you know i think we we need to spend some time diving into uh, what exactly is involved in adult daycare what are the 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 range of services that Mm -hmm. folks can expect if they need to use these yeah and right before the break we were talking about you know some of the social engagement that occurs with participants that attend these programs and really the difference that it makes in their lives that is it literally almost seems like it's magic like a light switch went on and i was wondering paul if you might have a little story of a participant just to sort of shed the light on this to our listeners so that they understand really the impact that this can make on someone's life. And I'm sure it's quite typical what you're about to share. Yeah, it's <laughs> typical, but it's a story that comes to mind when you were talking about that, Nicole, is a family we had at Charles House who 
um, who described to me that they had gotten to the point. It was a husband and wife, and it was the wife's father that was living with them. And he had declined um, in his capacities for social engagement and conversation and so forth to the degree that they said that they had stopped having people over to the house. It was too uncomfortable to have friends and other people there, and it was too confusing to him, and and uh, and they couldn't predict his behavior and if he would talk or not. And they said uh, shortly after he had been coming to Charles' house that he became much more talkative in the family. He would engage in conversation. He would start conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they started inviting people over, he was the one who would answer the door and greet them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was... Uh, that was an example of a family who saw dramatic change mm-hmm. uh, and improvement um, in uh, in the functioning, which improves the life of the family as well. Well, and I think a lot of it has to do with helping that older adult regain some lost confidence. I think mm-hmm. sometimes being in the settings with peers who have similar abilities as you, you know, I just think it, you know, when you feel like you're having some success, it just carries over into the home. It's not always that you're the weak link of the family. Now you feel like a lot of times I've noticed that adult days, you know, you give them jobs to do or, and they're truly contributing. It's not fake stuff here. We're not, you know, refolding a bag of socks 65 times. We're helping with lunch. We're preparing a snack. We're, you know, knitting baby hats for the local hospitals. I mean, it's truly things that make a difference in this world. Yes, I, I do believe that uh, as the friendships are formed, there's a lot more of caring about each other, looking out for each other. Uh, I've noticed some um, clients make it a point to make sure that so-and-so has enough water or mm-hmm. so-and-so. It's, you know, they'll flag the, the staff over and say, can you check in on so-and-so? So it, it seems like it does bring out all of their uh, abilities that they have. It, it brings that to the forefront to be in a group setting. And I think on the other side of it, let let us not forget that while that loved one is at the center, the caregiver is at home having a break. So a big piece of this also, I'm sure, is the fact that that caregiver is more refreshed. So when they receive their loved one back in the home, it's they've had they've been able to hit the reset button for a little while. And so then they're engaging with them a little bit differently and probably a little less cranky and and overwhelmed and and sometimes even resentful because caregiving is hard. It's very hard. Um, the 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 relief that they are not in it alone mm-hmm. is is a huge part of it. That they are now engaged with with a center, mm-hmm. you know, that knows their family member as well as they do, uh, and and they're sharing information and support as well as the the respite that they get. For some families, they're they're using that time to stay working. Uh, so they, they're triple duty, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So, um, but even that, knowing that their family member is safe and is cared for and is being engaged and is going to come home happy and mm-hmm. tired. Yes, uh, yes. So we all get a good night's sleep. That's right. <laughs> Important. So, you know, we touched a little bit on the differences or the fact that there are social model adult day centers and then that there are health models. So let's talk, let's finish up talking about the types of services if somebody were to engage and enroll a loved one in a, in a social model that they could receive besides the, besides the activities, which are super important, but I right. know there's so, other things. So, serv- so day services centers are uh, uh, will provide, as we talked about, activities, but beyond that, 
they are uh, seeing to the medications mm-hmm. that uh, participants are receiving during the day. Um, some centers are providing personal care, offering uh, showers or baths, uh, salon services. So people are getting pedicures, mm-hmm. manicures, having, uh, you know, uh, all the salon services available to them. Uh, at some centers, uh, participants receive physical therapy, occupational therapy as well. Uh, so, uh, depending on the services available mm-hmm. um, in the community, as well as the the needs of the families in the center, uh, there can be a very wide array of services offered. And Charles House is such a right. We so in in North Carolina, you're uh, certified as a adult day services or adult day health. Okay. And Charles House is adult day services okay. without the health. And Linda could probably talk more yeah. about the health. So yeah. let's let's so we understand everything in, in adult day services. What makes adult Adult day health a little different. So health just adds the component of having a nurse uh, on site, and the uh, the state requirements is four hours or more. Mm-hmm. In in our center, we have a skilled nurse at all times, and the, the vast majority uh, of the the reason why we have a skilled nurse there um, is uh, due to. Uh, uh, insulin coverage mm-hmm. throughout the day um, that that's uh, requires somebody with um, a lot of know-how in order to um, administer correctly and so and and it can be a dangerous drug if you don't do it correctly so that's the number one reason um, that people will bring someone to a, a skilled service if they had other skilled uh, requirements um, like ostomies catheters wound change orders from uh, medical doctors, we can provide that as well. You know, I have to say that that insulin is huge because that is is one of the number one reasons why people get placed mm-hmm. when loved ones can't be at home with them or they're a little bit nervous about managing that. A lot of times, folks get placed just because of the sliding scale insulin, or or quite frankly, just because of the whole med management piece. They can't mm-hmm. be left alone because they can't be left alone to to be trusted to take their medicines. So those two things right there, I think, make a huge difference in in the ability of folks to be. Able to be able to be managed at home for sure. So let's talk a little bit about how adult day services integrate with the other community-based services. I know sometimes, you know, everyone has their little cog wheel in in the system of long-term care, but the reality is adult day is a piece of that community-based services at home. Well, one of the roles that the uh, day service programs provide is to be a... um, kind of the glue in the process mm-hmm. as well. So families uh, families are running the show. Yes, um, they're the general contractor. They are the general <laughs> contractor. And, and for families to know what the services are that are available, um, where their family member is in the progression of mm-hmm. whichever disease and decline that they may be facing uh, to um, to know what are the what is when it's time to bring in which services mm-hmm. uh, is a service that the day service programs uh, do very well with their client families. So that may be looking at what are the transportation services available. Mm-hmm. What are the services for in-home care for personal care? So it's getting difficult to deal with my husband getting a shower mm-hmm. when I you know, and so having somebody come in to help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes. Uh, you know, talking with a geriatric care manager mm-hmm. on looking at how do I manage care mm-hmm. um, uh, and and make the next step. So these are all services that meld very well with adult day programs. 
We've got Paul Cleaver. He's the executive director of Charles House, as well as Linda Kim, who is the executive director of Evergreen Adult Day Services here in the uh, uh, in the Triangle. And we're talking all about adult daycare. And we'll continue that conversation right after this break. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights and Cooper Linton from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, and we've got special guests here with us. And those are Paul Cleaver, who's the executive director of Charles House, and Linda Kim, who is the executive director of Evergreen Adult Day Services. And we're talking all about adult daycare. And Nicole, uh, one of the things that we need to get to is how this hits the pocketbook. And, and there was a <laughs> a level of excitement uh, during the break here and I always can tell when you and the guests are excited because the <laughs> the level of APMs the acronyms per minute tends, oh. tends to go through the roof and uh, that's and funny you, were, you guys were throwing a lot around so uh, you may have to speak slow for me here because I, I, I got a little bit lost but you all seem to know exactly what you're talking about I've got to remember that one Jason that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so I'm, I'm particularly excited about the cost of adult daycare because relative to a lot of other things that people people have to pay for in long-term care. I mean, it's it's on the lower end of the spectrum for such a high quality of care. So I think we kind of came to a consensus, consensus off air that, and it's a big range, but there's lots of reasons for it. On average, folks can expect to pay anywhere between 50 to about $105, $110 per day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's dependent upon, you know, if it's a health model versus a social model and if there's transportation involved and included and, and so on and so forth. But I mean, if, if you compare that to on average, you know, $24, $25 an hour for care for an in-home care provider, that's a huge, huge benefit. Or $200 a day f- for an assisted living facility or $400 a day for a skilled nursing facility. And then there's that. (laughs) (laughs) And and the reality of it is, and and, and unfortunately, I I think for some reason, there's a misnomer out there that Medicare pays for everything, and and it does not. And Medicare does not pay for adult daycare either, does it? No. No, Medicare only pays for acute care episodes and uh, nothing in long-term care. So how does this get paid for? Most uh, adult day services are paid for out of pocket by families, but families who have uh, long-term care insurance. So we're not talking Blue Cross Blue Shield. That's right. We're not talking (laughs) about health insurance. We're talking about long-term care insurance. Most long-term care insurance policies uh, will reimburse families for uh, adult day services. Um, There are uh, many, many programs have scholarship programs as well to Mm -hmm. help support Like sliding scales? Uh, Sliding scale or scholarship programs. Uh, For the day health programs like Linda's, Mm -hmm. um, Linda? We have the Veterans Administration um, helping us uh, and also the um, DSS uh, funds through the Medicaid CAPTA program or the uh, community, um, home and community care uh, block grants. So there are quite a a number of different funding streams to provide Mm -hmm. some support to families. Mm -hmm. Well, and for those families whose members are what's called duly enrolled, Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) both, they are both Medicare and Medicaid, 
those people who, when they get to a point of needing nursing home level care, would also be eligible for the um, the PACE programs in the state, which is the programs for all inclusive care for the elderly. Okay. Um, and they're, they are technically also day programs, mm-hmm. certified as day programs, and they would be also uh, available. Wow. So it sounds like this, there is actually quite a lot of potential entry points for families to access this program opposed to some other community-based programs. So that's, that's good. At least we're trying to help folks. I think another thing that we need to talk a little bit about, too, is, well, how do you know when it's time? How do you know, you know when somebody should start looking at placing a loved one in an adult aid care center? Mm-hmm. Well, us. A scenario that I share with families who are asking me that question is, is so in the earlier stages of, of uh, cognitive decline, uh, often called mild cognitive impairment and mm-hmm. so forth, uh, people are doing just fine. You know, it's uh, that, well, he reads the paper every morning and he walks the dog and, uh, you know, and uh, the status quo. Yeah, (laughs) the status quo and there's decline and so forth. But there is the day when, well, he he got lost walking the dog. Mm -hmm. I have to go get the newspaper now. He forgets where it is. He looks at it, but I don't know how much he's retaining. Mm-hmm. He reads the same article over and over. Mm-hmm. We can't go to the movies anymore. You see the change? Mm-hmm. That change is a loss in, in executive function. Okay. And when someone is needing someone else to be responsible for their executive function is the time when 24-7 uh, caregiving goes into hyperdrive. Wow. And that's when uh, that's an excellent time. For, uh, for people to start exploring uh, day services. So it seems like, and, and you know, and a lot of families say this when I'm working with them at Guiding Lights, hindsight is twenty twenty. A lot of this, you know, when you say it like that, it sounds so clear, but it kind of creeps up on you. It does. <laughs> and sometimes it just takes really looking through and, right. and feeling your stress level. And right. mm-hmm. the 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 bumper sticker rule for caregivers <laughs> is it's never too early. Mm-hmm. And it's never too early to look at what the services are. It's never too early to start looking at adult day services. It's never too early to start finding out when I should start getting in-home care. It's never too early to start ex- exploring when should I look at getting hospice involved. Right. The, uh, the other side of that, which I often hear is, but you feel like you should be able to do it all yourself. And you have the superhero caregivers. And, you know, I've been a caregiver twice, and I I fell into this both times. You're never quite sure where you're going to run into that wall, but you feel like you can go, 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 and then all of a sudden you realize you just can't. And so it's really super important. Right. I think one of the the populations that we serve in adult day services is not just the participant, but their families. Mm -hmm. And, And families want, for the most part, to do as much as they can for their loved one. What we have to recognize is that we are people. And people have limits, and the, the better you take care of yourself, the better you, ha- you have the ability to take care of your loved one. Mm-hmm. And for uh, day services, especially when someone is an, a part-time attendee, you, you don't have to make a commitment that's every day for the rest of their lives. It's, it's a day or two per week, and that just gives them enough time to run all those errands, get, get all of the 
the stuff that you need to get done done so that that's off your worry list. And then take care of yourself. Go to the doctor's office. Get your hair cut. Maybe meet up with a friend for coffee. Uh, meet up with your pastor for prayer. Whatever you need to do for the caregiver to take care of himself or herself, they are then able to turn that back and give back to their loved one. And I think as day services, that's one of our our. Uh, primary mission is to make sure that families know that they have someone they could turn to. They're not alone. So let's talk a uh, a minute about the types of people that often are found in an adult day service. Like, What type of diagnoses are we looking at here? The vast majority of our folks have dementia, Mm -hmm. um, different types of dementia, Lewy body, Alzheimer's. Um, We have some folks with declining Um, mental abilities, but they're not necessarily diagnosed. But we also have folks um, who are there strictly for medical reasons. Um, We have a person who uh, is cognitively completely intact, and um, that person just needs a lot of help with transferring. Um, This person cannot uh, get from the chair to the bathroom without potentially falling and, and injuring. Um, or becoming injured. So um, we do have some folks who are there specifically for medical reasons. And we're also seeing um, quite a bit of uh, Parkinson's Mm -hmm. and uh, even MS, uh, other movement disorders. So the movement disorders uh, would be things like um, uh, Lou Gehrig's ACL, ALS, you know, ALS, ALS, we don't want to hurt that either, (laughs) though. Uh, And uh, there, and there are phases, there are times, there are phases in those uh, progressive diseases when day services are are really um, beneficial. So I want to give you both an opportunity as we wind down the show to uh, just tell us again, the name of your organization, if folks want more information, how to find you and what counties you serve. So Charles House is in Chapel Hill. Um, but the families that come to us come from Orange, Durham, and Chatham County predominantly, mm-hmm. but we have some folks from Wake and <laughs> uh, Pearson and Alamance County as, as well. Um, we're on the uh, web at charleshouse.org. Very easy to find us. Um, and, um, and even if you're not thinking about adult day services, if you're in our area, Charles House is also there just to help you look at the issues that you may be facing uh, now and in the future as a caregiving family. And Evergreen is located in Cary, but we are almost closer to Apex. Uh, we have, we're right uh, at the corner of Kildare Farm Road and 1010. And so a lot of our families come from Holly Springs, Fuquay, and Apex. And um, we are also on the web at www.evergreenadultdayservices.net. Again, that's evergreenadultdayservices.net in Cary, and uh, that's Linda Kim, the executive director of Evergreen Adult Day Services, and Paul Cleaver, the executive director of Charles House, uh, serving uh, predominantly the Orange, Durham, and Chatham areas, charleshouse.org is the website. Thank you both so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate you taking the time and sharing some great information with our audience. We will be back with more Aging Matters in just a bit. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF with your co-hosts Nicole Claggett and Cooper Linton. 
Here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of transitions, life care. And I am Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And we're actually going to play a a segment that we did uh, a few weeks back talking all about the Caregiver Summit. These are uh, available right now for registration online at caregiversummit.org. And Nicole and Cooper will explain what they're all about right now. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and Cooper Linton, and I feel like I need to sound off some sort of siren or uh, maybe fire off some sort of cannon because Caregiver Summits, it's that time. It's a round of applause we need. Cue up the round of applause. (laughs) I wish I had a sound effects machine in here. We don't work kind of doing it our own. That's right. They sure are coming up. So we just literally opened registration for the upcoming four caregiver summits. But the one I want to focus on today a little bit is the very first caregiver summit, which is going to be on June the 14th at the Sheraton Imperial. Now, this is a new location for us. Uh, Previously, we had held these summits in another location in Durham, but we have sort of outgrown that space and we had a need for ample parking. And so the Sheraton Imperial has been so wonderful to work with us over there in RTP uh, to provide us an amazing venue for the event. For those of you that may not be familiar with that location, it's uh, located just off of Page Road. So it has a Durham address, but it's right smack in the middle of Resource Triangle Park. It's easily accessible mm-hmm. off of 40 and off of 540. No matter where you're coming from, really. You can get – it is really smack dab in the middle of uh, the, the the large population here in the Triangle. Definitely. And this is actually our 10-year anniversary. Can wow. you believe it? That's I know, incredible. I know I've got the grades to prove it. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's testimony to the number of caregivers that are out there, mm-hmm. uh, the value that they have found in these events. And they've actually driven, the caregivers who've attended in the past have driven the value by saying to us, we want more of this. We want less of something else. Mm-hmm. We want different types of material and told us what it was. And every year we try and retool the content to meet the needs of the caregivers. Yeah, Cooper's got a great point there. You know, it's just not us sitting here, you know, guessing what we think caregivers want and don't want. We take the evaluations that we receive at the end of every single summit extremely seriously. We look at who attends what sessions and we listen to what the caregivers say they wish we had more of. And so some years there may be some very similar uh, type themes that we have going on, but then we usually try to shake things up a bit and, and add something that we really feel the caregivers would appreciate. So we are super excited about our agenda this year for sure in the past we've had two caregiver events that were separated by a week and the content was really the same from one event to the next this year it is different yes all four summits are different we've actually separated all four summits out to give caregivers offerings spread out more throughout the year so uh, instead of holding two really triangle focused summits in june we have one in june uh, in uh, durham and then we actually moved the raleigh summit which historically had been in june to october People asked, could we do these at different times of the year? The answer is yes, we can, and they've now been spread out. Uh, We've moved them to uh, the Durham one in particular to a different location to make parking easier for those people who have issues with mobility. Uh, We felt that that was critical. Uh, and we have a greater diversity of classes than we ever have before. So it's a kind of a fresh look to something that's in, in its 10-year anniversary. 
Definitely. And you know, the cost for us putting on these summits, it is, it's pretty phenomenal. And so we are really super excited this year. We were able to actually attract the attention of AARP, and they have actually agreed to be an underwriting sponsor of our summits this year. And we've also uh, gotten support from two presenting sponsors, LifeLinks and also Clarity Legal Group. And because of those three groups right off the bat, right from the beginning, we've been able to maintain the same cost that we were able to charge caregivers last year. So it's very nice fee of $15 for caregivers to attend. Uh, we offer off-site respite that day that folks can arrange for an event in advance. So if it's difficult for you to coordinate uh, the ability to come because you're caring for a loved one, which makes a lot of sense, that's probably why you would attend, you would arrange for adult daycare services. And we have all of that information actually on our website for folks to, to connect with. So the question keeps coming up, how do you do this for $15? And Nicole absolutely nailed it. It is the sponsors, it's the underwriting sponsors. So you have AARP, Clarity Legal, LifeLinks, but you also have the people who have vendor tables there. Mm-hmm. And that serves two purposes. One, it helps pay for the event, but more relevantly for the caregivers, it we end up with a room full of resources that you can come there and in the course of one hour, be able to talk to more organizations that are able to help you in your caregiving journey than you might could in the rest of the year trying to schedule things. And, you know, Jason, I know last year was the very first year you'd ever attended a caregiver summit. Um, you came and, and came to check it out since we talked so much about it at uh, on the on the radio. Talk to us a little bit about what you saw, because, you know, we're sitting here, you know, the ones that are planning it, but you were there with totally fresh eyes. Yeah, it was it was incredible. You know, we, we talk about it here on the air and the, the image that I actually saw there from from what was in my head was was completely different. You know, I, I was expecting something a little bit more smaller and intimate. But I mean, <laughs> if, if you thought of uh, ba- basically any sort of caregiver situation or any sort of resource or uh, health professional that you might be interested in talking with or category, it was it was there. We tried. It was there. <laughs> uh, it was just very well represented, and and the people there. I, that's the part that stuck with me the most. Um, the amount of people who had been to previous caregiver summits and who came back because they found it as uh, such a tremendous resource. And again, you know, you've only got four of these for the year and Mm -hmm. you've got everything in there in one place where you can uh, talk to professionals, which, as you said, would just take a a tremendous amount of time and probably money uh, if if you were trying to do that all on your own. So uh, it's it it was a great experience. And I'll, I'll be back at the events this year because uh, it, it's just great to see it, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that things have been spread out a little bit more, and mm-hmm. um, the way that uh, the the content is set up. That if you wanted to attend two or, or three, and you didn't maybe want to knock it all out in one day, and you wanted to spread it out, mm-hmm. you had that option this year. Well, yeah, and especially because the content is different, mm-hmm. we really wanted to really kind of create a series of events that would really help a caregiver, no matter what their what their caregiving related issue is. And so that's an important thing. You know, we just did a show on Alzheimer's disease, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we do have some sessions that are specific to Alzheimer's and dementia, just mainly because 50% of the people over the age of 85 have some sort of a dementia diagnosis, we also have other sessions that are for folks that have other disease diagnoses and also um, just general caregiving support information or even things like the business of caregiving, really how to financially handle this, how to handle the estate, how to handle, um, you know, medications or falls risks. So, you know, regardless of what your loved one's diagnosis is, we find based on our evaluations that caregivers find this very valuable. When we interviewed caregivers, one of the key things we heard from them 
was how much they valued being in a place where they were with like-minded folks. You know, they were no longer alone. And so much of what happens with caregiving, particularly in the home environment, is you are taking care of someone, but that process can be isolating. Mm -hmm. And caregivers talked about how valuable it was to hear from other caregivers, to have lunch with other caregivers, uh, just to have small talk in the hallways between between classes or in the vendor room, for them to recognize that there's a community of caregivers and that they get together multiple times during the year for these events, uh, and, and they found emotional value in that. So if folks want to register for this summit, it's they go to online to caregiverssummit.org, and you can go ahead and register for one or all four of these. But I know we're kind of running short on time, and we also have another pretty amazing event coming up that I want to make sure that we touch on as and well. And it's a little sooner, Nicole. It, uh, is. it is April 14th. Right around the corner. It is right around the corner. It is April 14th. It is the uh, Advanced Directives event that transitions life care. Uh, is hosting on our campus at 250 Hospice Circle. Uh, We're going to encourage you to go online to transitionslifecare.org and click on the calendar of events and register for that. There's an 11 o'clock session and a 1230 session on Saturday the 14th, and we will help you execute your advanced directives, understand what they are. We'll have the documents there, the attorneys there, notary publics there. You can even leave with copies. We're going to have refreshments. Uh, We have one of our own physicians, uh, Dr. Christopher Thompson, who's going to be there to address medical questions. It's been done in conjunction with the North Carolina Bar Association and the North Carolina Center for Compassionate Care. So we are privileged to host that on April 14th. But there's more. Folks listening can come and wish you a very happy birthday that day. That is true. (laughs) I'm going to spend my birthday doing advanced directives. I'm a little passionate about this issue. So the greatest gift of all, right? <laughs> he certainly is. <laughs> Again, transitionslifecare.org. Head over to the calendar of events section if you are interested in attending the Advanced Directives event. And also, if you're interested in registering for the Caregiver Summits, uh, caregiversummit.org. Caregiversummit.org. Org, yes, I got that you right. You got it. You I, are okay. I scared myself for a second. <laughs> did I say the right thing? Well, luckily, I did. Well, we are just about out of time. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. I want to remind you that you can always go to transitionslifecare.org for more information. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.